Hey, Brian, I'm good. How are you? We're, we're hanging in there, man. For sure, for now. Yeah, we're listening to some, some nice writing. So uh, Mary Romero Ferguson is our, is our guest tonight. Uh, she's, a, she's, she's a poet. She's definitely a poet. A poet's poet. Um, and also, if you, can, if you can imagine, she's a poet's poet and a, and a people's poet. I, I think I, I agree with that. I, yes. I, it is uh, often a tough experience to sit in a room while a poet <clears throat> reads. Uh, yeah, and, uh, it's. I've heard. I've been in rooms while Mary Romero Ferguson does that uh, many times, and it's always just a, a delight. I'm always glad I was Her there. work is very transcendent. Mm-hmm. That's right. Cool. Well, let's uh, let's let's talk to Mary. Hello. Oh, hi, Mary. Oh, hi. You are you are on <laughs> with with me and with Paul. Hey, Mary. Okay, wonderful. Hey. Thank you for dialing in. How how's things today? Things is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> things they just, are. They, just... <laughs> they are, indeed. So indeed. how how fraught was your uh, decision making process to to figure out what you were going to read tonight? Oh my gosh, I spent like days. <laughs> like, <laughs> Thanks for investing I, that time. That's, I know, that's... I shouldn't care, but, and then I told Ben what my lineup was, and he was like, that's so thematic. <laughs> and I was like, I know, right? Thematic. <laughs> I know, but wow. I, I mean, that's just the way my brain works, but it, I, I, it was mostly, I had to do something to whittle it down, because. Oh, there's just so many poems I love, you know. You have any poems about hummingbirds coming at us? Is that- <laughs> uh, on the hummingbirds, hey. <laughs> oh, did you? Cause no. no, there are okay. no hummingbirds. There is a starling, but there are no hummingbirds. <laughs> All right, we'll see. That'll slide. But I That'll slide. throw one in if you need me to. I think we've, I think we've I about had enough. We've had enough. <laughs> Have there been hummingbird poems so far? I think I think that that a, a piece of writing about hummingbirds can make you cry once a day, and that's about enough. <laughs> yeah, it gets real Is that what? Uh, who started? Was it John? Who, who, John Gray. John. Yeah. Oh, of course, he made you cry. Medicine. I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> built of hummingbirds. Yeah, I, I read that. between the lines. I'm good at that. <laughs> <laughs> These poets. Sheesh. Mm. All right. Well. Tell us what you're gonna what you're gonna um, comfort us with, Mary. Comfort. Well, Uh-oh. I um, <laughs> no, no, I did, I did try to pick some upbeat ones. Um, so, you ready for me to go? Yeah, do it. To start. Okay. All right. So the my first poem is by William Carlos Williams, the one and only. Yes. And um, the first time I read it, I laughed out loud. Um, but I, especially, I was thinking about it today because I thought with all of us in quarantine, we might find ourselves reenacting this poem out of necessity. So it is Danza Russe by William Carlos Williams. All right. If I, when my wife is sleeping 
and the baby and Kathleen are sleeping, and the sun is a flame-white disk in silken mists above shining trees. If I, in my north room, dance naked, grotesquely, before my mirror, waving my shirt round my head and singing softly to myself, I am lonely, lonely. I was born to be lonely. I am best so. If I admire my arms, my face, my shoulders, flanks, buttocks against the yellow drawn shades, who shall say I am not the happy genius of my household? Uh, <laughs> I forgot about that phone. Absolutely. I know. Isn't it wonderful? I mean, you know, I just thought maybe this is some advice for staying sane in quarantine. <laughs> I always, I, yeah. I, I always think about him as being so conversational, yeah, or you know, seemingly conversational. Um, that I'd forgotten about the, the way that poem builds. Like yeah. It, yeah. It keeps it keeps recoiling back before finally getting to that. <laughs> that great last line. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the great last line. It's one of Ben's favorites. I told him I was going to open with it, and he was like, "Yes." Oh, that's very Ben. That's very Ben Ferguson. <laughs> yeah. I know, isn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> now I'm in my brain yep. watching him. Yep. Do that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I planted that image. <laughs> First, it was William <laughs> Carlos <right> Williams. <laughs> <laughs> You're not sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. And then we get some feedback from viewers, and you know, that's it. Uh, <laughs> or not viewers, oh. listeners, ben, listeners. Ben Ferguson gave this a very high rating. Yeah, know. yeah, he really liked this one. <laughs> Super a lot. He's in a picture. Uh, okay. <laughs> I promise right. we'll get a little more serious as um, I go along, but you know, no pressure. Maybe no pressure. Um, so for the next few, I um, I wanted to pick a few poems that had at the center of them a revelation of joy or hope, um, which comes about simply by paying attention to something. Um, because I thought that we're all in need of that right now. Our attention is, at least mine, I is so divided. Um, I'm more keyed into my devices than I ever have been for news and connection. Um, and though that's totally understandable, I think we also need to practice um, the art of putting our phones down and paying attention and noticing um, because there's joy and hope at the other end of that. So this poem is called Meditation on a Grapefruit, and it's by Craig Arnold. To wake when all is possible, before the agitations of the day have gripped you, to come to the kitchen and peel a little basketball for breakfast, to tear the husk like cotton padding, a cloud of oil misting out of its pinprick pores, clean and sharp as pepper, to ease each pale pink section out of its case so carefully without breaking a single pearly cell, to slide each piece into a cold blue china bowl, the juice pooling until the whole fruit is divided from its skin, and only then to eat so sweet a discipline, precisely pointless, 
a devout involvement of the hands and senses, a pause, a little emptiness, each year harder to live within, each year harder to live without. Mm. Mm-mm. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love, uh, I think that's, a stunningly gorgeous poem. Um, and you know, the funny story about that poem is that just a few days after Craig wrote that he sent it to Christian Wyman at poetry magazine. And, um, a few days later he disappeared. He was hiking in Japan. He was doing a project where he was learning about volcanoes and, he disappeared and they searched for him for over a week and his body was never found. So those were, you know, basically his last words to us and they're just perfect. I know. Right. I know. It's crazy. That's, 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 that's tragic. I know it is. It's incredibly tragic. Um, um, yeah. Glad that we have that, that last word from him. So, on a lighter note, <laughs> um, this next poem is about a gas station, of all things. Um, it's by Elizabeth Bishop, who is one of one of my idols, one of my favorite poets. Uh, she's so witty and funny in a really uncanny way. Um, and I love how by noticing every element of this gas station, she's led to a stunning conclusion. So this is Filling Station by Elizabeth Bishop. Oh, but it is dirty, this little filling station. Oil-soaked, oil-permeated to a disturbing overall black translucency. Be careful with that match. Father wears a dirty, oil-soaked monkey suit that cuts him under the arms. And several quick and saucy and greasy sons assist him. It's a family filling station. All quite thoroughly dirty. Do they live in the station? It has a cement porch behind the pumps, and on it, a set of crushed and grease-impregnated wickerwork. On the wicker sofa, a dirty dog, quite comfy. Some comic books provide the only note of color, of certain color, they lie upon a big dim doily, draping a tabaret, part of the set, beside a big hirsute begonia. Why the extraneous plant? Why the tabaret? Why, oh why, the doily, embroidered in daisy stitch with marguerites, I think, and heavy with gray crochet? Somebody embroidered the doily. Somebody waters the plant, or or oils it, maybe. Somebody arranges the rows of cans so that they softly say, so, 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 to high-strung automobiles. Somebody loves us all. Isn't she good? Uh, absolutely. Just that idea of embedded beauty that is sort of underlying 
the dirt and the oil and the grease yeah. of, of sort of you know, normal life, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Uh, there it is. There it is. translucency. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Somebody embroidered the, the line. Somebody embroidered the doily. I know somebody. Why? Oh, why the doily? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I love that. Oh, that's a good one. Um, Be careful I with know. that match. Be careful with that match. I know it's so it's so Elizabeth Bishop. She had um she was famous for saying that um that when you when you read a poem or when you write a poem that you should be able to see a person's mind at work. Mm. Um. And so she has these wonderful lines that, you know, it's almost like she could have crossed it out and made it more perfect, but she chooses not to because she wants you to see her mind at work. Um, yeah. And I, I really like that in her poems. Um, so this next poem is from Christian Wyman. Um, and he wrote this poem soon after receiving a diagnosis um, for an incurable form of cancer. And in this poem, uh, what's happening in the poem is very simple. He's looking out of a window. He sees a bunch of birds roosting in a tree, and then all of a sudden they take off. And the poem's called From a Window by Christian Wyman. Incurable and unbelieving in any truth but the truth of grieving. I saw a tree inside a tree rise kaleidoscopically as if the leaves had livelier ghosts. I pressed my face as close to the pain as I could get to watch that fitful, fluent spirit that seemed a single being undefined or countless beings of one mind haul its strange cohesion beyond the limits of my vision over the house heavenwards. Of course, I knew those leaves were birds. Of course, that old tree stood exactly as it had and would. But why should it seem fuller now? And though a man's mind might endow even a tree with some excess of life to which a man seems witness, that life is not the life of men. And that is where the joy came in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, I love that one. I've that that's, uh, actually just for anyone's sake, that's a wonderful one to memorize because it's in rhyming couplets. It's really easy uh, yes. um, to memorize. It's a good one to have in your back pocket. Um, for a rainy day. So these next uh, few, at least in my mind, are, are poems of resilience. Um, and this next poem is by Lucille Clifton, who said that she, she's too famous for saying that she wrote most of her poems in the kitchen with a kid on each knee. <laughs> Which sounds to me like how most of our work is going to get done in the next few weeks or months <laughs> I thought I needed to put some Lucille Clifton in there um, so this is a really short poem most of her poems are really short because she wrote them in the kitchen with a kid on each knee <laughs> <laughs> um, and this one's called Hag Writing by Lucille Clifton why 
is what I ask myself. Maybe it is the African in me still trying to get home after all these years. But when I wake to the heat of morning, galloping down the highway of my life, something hopeful rises in me, rises and runs me out into the road, and I lob my fierce thigh high over the rump of the day, and honey, I ride, I ride. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I love that's that real, line. That's a real, yeah, that's a real punch to the intellect. Oh yeah, isn't it great? Yeah. <laughs> She's so good. She's so good. Christian Wyman tells a story about her, about how um I think it was the Ruth Lilly Prize. This is a really big prize. And he had the honor of giving it out for several years. And he's like, She's the only person who when I gave this award out, I called her on the phone and she whooped over the phone. <laughs> she like yelled with glee. That's awesome. <laughs> and he was like, that is awesome. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. If I ever get a, a literary award, I'm, I'm definitely whooping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think, <laughs> a whoop is a, I think a whoop is worth it. That, that's yeah. appropriate. Absolutely. Yeah, it's appropriate. Um, so yeah, so this next one also has, I think, a brilliant image of resiliency in it. And um, it's one of my favorite poems by one of my favorite writers, which is Richard Wilbur. And I was thinking of it because our friends, Mark and Paige, were telling me a story about how after they had decided to name their daughter Wren, um, a little Wren bird got trapped in their house. <laughs> they thought it was like, it's like so metaphorical and perfect. Oh, wow. And so, and this poem has a similar occurrence in it. So this is the writer by Richard Wilbur. In her room at the prow of the house, where light breaks and the windows are tossed with linden, my daughter is writing a story. I pause on the stairwell, hearing from her shut door a commotion of typewriter keys like a chain hauled over a gunwale. Young as she is, the stuff of her life is a great cargo, and some of it heavy. I wish her a lucky passage. But now it is she who pauses, as if to reject my thought and its easy figure. A stillness greatens, in which the whole house seems to be thinking. And then she is at it again with a bunched clamor of strokes, and again is silent. I remember the dazed starling which was trapped in that very room two years ago. How we stole in, lifted a sash, and retreated, not to affright it. And how for a helpless hour, through the crack of the door, we watched the sleek, wild, dark, and iridescent creature batter against the brilliance, drop like a glove to the hard floor or the desktop, and wait then, humped and bloody, for the wits to try it again. And how our spirits rose when suddenly sure it lifted off from a chair back, beating a smooth course for the right window and clearing the sill of the world. It is always a matter, <clears throat> my darling, of life or death, as I had forgotten. I wish what I wished you before, but harder. 
How do you take that last line? I wished what I wished for you before, but harder. Mm. I'm going to tell you how I took it. Yeah. I know because I know you have a personal. do. So I knew that I, I knew that I did not know how I was going to feel when my first kid was born. I yes. All, the, all, just, I didn't, I, I just knew I didn't know who I was going to be in that moment. Or sure. What, I just didn't know anything. That so seems thought, like the best way to go into it. Yeah. So I thought it might be, but I also wanted to be able to mark it somehow, mark that moment. I didn't want to just, <laughs> I don't just be like, ooh. <laughs> got I, a kid now. The way I am. Oh, yeah. I'm a dad. I'm a dad. Kids smoking here. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I committed that to memory so that in that moment I would have something to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is not dramatic at all, Brian. No, not at all. <laughs> That's a great idea. I, <laughs> I, well, I, I keep asking Lily about it and she like, insists that she doesn't baby. remember. She, does, she, she said she doesn't. She does. No. She's lying. I didn't say it like I didn't announce it to the OR. You know, oh, that's what I pictured. I think, just kind of whispered it in her ear. I think the first, I think my, my first words to the baby were, oh, uh, oh, 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 uh, you know, like that. Yeah, eventually, a- absolutely. As I was holding her, I did recite that into her ear. Aww. Oh, that is lovely. So, so I know anyway, it's very lovely. The way those, the way the last line struck me was just that as more, as more and more lights get turned on for you, uh, yes, some, some feelings and some wishes and some passions only increase. Yes. Okay. That that's a beautiful way to take it. I love yeah. That. that wish lucky passage. It's like yeah, it seems at first like it's just a a lighthearted wish and then at the, by the end he's like, Nope, that is my wish for you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so good. That's a great that choice. Is, that is absolutely my wish for you. That's, um, a, that's a great mm. choice, Mary. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that so much. Um, so this is Raina Maria Rilke, and it's from his book of hours. Um, go to the limits of your longing. Which, by the way, if you haven't seen Jojo Rabbit, this gets quoted in it. Oh, nice. And it's wow, awesome. I can't wait to see that. It's awesome. Yes. Okay. So go to the limits of your longing by Raina Maria Rilke. God speaks to each of us as he makes us and then walks with us silently out of the night. These are the words we dimly hear. You, sent out beyond your recall, go to the limits of your longing. Embody me. Flare up like a flame and make big shadows I can move in. Let everything happen to you, beauty and terror. Just keep going. No feeling is final. Don't let yourself lose me. Nearby is the country they call life. You will know it by its seriousness. Give me your hand. <laughs> mm, yeah. To read this an invitation. Bad. Yeah. That's yeah. Good. It's like yeah. the uh, it's like the Aladdin on the magic carpet. Do you trust me of poems. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, yes, he should have recited that in a good way. If he yeah. had time, he probably would have. <laughs> That's right. Would've. Yeah. If he had done that first, she would have. Things you know, have gone immediately yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Things would have gone much more. Yeah. Or just been like honest, like um, yeah. not a yeah. Actually, I don't yeah. know. Then there'd be no story. It would have worked. Mm. That's lovely. I, yeah. I don't read enough Rilke. Yeah, Rilke's just lovely. Um, the Book of Hours are, are beautiful, but also um, lesser known. That poem was also quoted in um, 
Flora and Ulysses. Oh, nice. The book Flora. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Which is awesome. By Kate DeCamillo. It's a book for, it's like a, I don't know. It's a young, book for everyone is what it it's is. It's a book for everyone <laughs> is what it is. Absolutely is. It's a book about a squirrel that writes, that gets superpowers and um, writes poetry and can fly. <laughs> yeah. All of that. All of, every single one of those. And there is Rilke and Pascal in that book. It's just amazing. Yeah, you got to read it. Um, So I I will sign off. I decided to sign off with probably one of the best known of poems. Um, And it's a very well-known poem by Welsh poet Dylan Thomas. And which I thought was appropriate to the moment that we were that we are in um, as we care for the elderly among us. And um yeah, as we look into the face of life and death. Do not go gentle into that good night by Dylan Thomas. Do not go gentle into that good night. Old age should burn and rave at close of day. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. The wise men at their end know dark is right. Because their words had forked no lightning, they do not go gentle into that good night. Good men, the last wave by, crying how bright their frail deeds might have danced in a green bay. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. Wild men who caught and sang the sun in flight and learned too late, they grieved it on its way. Do not go gentle into that good night. Grave men near death who see with blinding sight, blind eyes could blaze like meteors and be gay. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. And you, my father, there on the sad height, curse. Bless me now with your fierce tears, I pray. Do not go gentle into that good night. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. Thank you, Mary. That's very good advice. Mm, Indeed. All right, many thanks to Mary Romero Ferguson. Beautiful stuff. Tune in the next episode when we speak to John Worth and hear some of his selections. Come back to us. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. <laughs>